0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Dan Canobio, your host with the most, and joining us here on the program this week Dan Raphael, Fight Freaks Unite newsletter, formerly of ESPN formerly of USA Today, contributes to the Ring Magazine, sometimes World Boxing News. Dan is a regular of the show, and we have a lot to discuss. Uh, We're going to talk about the fallout from the Alexander Usyk win over Anthony Joshua. What Usyk did well, what could be next for him, that rematch clause, will it be invoked by Joshua? Uh, How Joshua did not perform. I enjoyed watching that fight over in Manhattan uh, with my friends over at Barstool Sports. Large Barstool put on a great party. Uh, over at Legends NYC, they're going to start putting more fights on in bars. So I really enjoyed watching the fight. A uh, different perspective, uh, watching it in a bar rather than being ringside counting the punches. Uh, but we did count the punches in that fight. And uh, Alexander Usyk landed the most ever on Anthony Joshua in his career. 148 punches, 29 of which came in that uh, decisive 12th round for Usyk. Great performance. We have a new unified heavyweight champion And he's Alexander Usik. We'll talk about that and much more with Dan Rafiel. Also this week, Manny Pacquiao officially retires from the sport of boxing uh, via himself. Put out a video on Facebook uh, saying that he is done after 26 years. He's going to focus now on politics, looking to become the next president of the Philippines. And whether you believe this or not, You know, I have my theories, too. You know, you put out a video like this. It gets a lot of attention. You know, politics is all about attention. This shows the people of the Philippines that he's serious about becoming the next president. Uh, Boxing's behind me. But from what I've seen is that Pacquiao is polling very far behind. Uh, So let's just say it's a long shot that he'll be the next president. Uh, But if he is, uh, he will not obviously not fight again. But if he does not become the president, which seems to be more likely, I would not be shocked to see Pacquiao back in the ring. What's stopping him from fighting McGregor or Spence uh, a year from now? But he is retired as of now. I hope he stays retired with dignity and respect, and uh, we can he can be an example to the younger fighters that you can retire uh, with all, all your faculties. We'll also talk about the thriller nonsense. Uh, as of now, uh, the fight is not happening October 16th. Uh, Camboso's team, uh, wants, uh, wrote a letter to the IBF informing that they want Triller to default, which could push the fight into November. Oh man. But here he is, Dan Raphael. Here is our guest this week here on inside boxing live, a regular of the program fight freaks unite newsletter, which now has a podcast, which now has a subscription, uh Dan, you do a great job of teasing that subscription because I want to read I want to read that uh thriller contract. Got to pay for that. Uh I love the newsletter. I think you're doing a great job with it. Uh happy to have you on this week with what is a very busy week. The world of boxing is starting to really pick up in this fourth quarter. Uh it's going to be a mad dash to the finish line. Uh happy to have you on. Our Yankees are rolling. Things are good. Things are good, Dan.
1: Things are good if you're a Yankee fan at the moment. Uh knock on wood. Uh, And look, like you said, it's maybe not the biggest weekend this weekend in terms of action in the ring, but there's so much stuff going on outside the ring coming off of last week. And of course, where there was a a huge fight with uh, uh, Anthony Joshua and Usyk, and we got some big ones coming up. I'm very excited to be going to Vegas next week for uh, the third matchup between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And then look, it just keeps on rolling in Canelo uh, Alvarez and Caleb plant uh, formal announcement just today on, uh, even though we know it was coming, uh, the formal announcement for uh, uh, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter and 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 a, and a bunch of other fights that'll get added to that schedule. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh it, we may have had a terrible summer, but it's picking up in the back end.
0: Jeez, man, doing a weekly show. There was that three week stretch where yeah. it was just the WBA and their corruption and then straight into Holyfield, straight into Oscar Valley. It was lean times, but you're right. This schedule is upcoming, especially November. Uh, It's going to be a really good month. Uh, Don't sleep on October either with these fights upcoming. This weekend is your patented Call Your Mother weekend because there is legitimately no boxing on the schedule, no PBC on FS1 shows. I don't know what I'm going to do. I get like anxiety when I look at the boxing schedule <laughs> and I see a Saturday off, which is very rare in the CompuBox world for us. I don't know what to do. I guess I'll watch the ink. I guess I'll look out the window. I don't know what to do when there's no boxing. You on. know what
1: I always say? Call your mother.
0: I call my mom. We talk for like 20 minutes and then it's like, all right, let's, <laughs> uh, I guess, see what other humans do on the weekends. Uh, but this past weekend, uh, heavyweight fight, I thought lived up to the billing. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, this back-and-forth just brawl. It was more of a calculated fight, which I think we all, if you follow the sport close enough, you know that's the type of fighter Joshua is and certainly who, who Usyk is. Uh, but that fight alone, I think um, this happens a lot when they, there's an upset. It wasn't upset by the term of the word upset uh, with Usyk winning. And a lot of the times we go, right, so what did Joshua do wrong? What did the favorite do wrong? Not enough talk about what Usyk did right and what Usyk did great. In that ring, where it was the feints with the ring generalship, uh, the huge 12th round, uh, landing the most punches ever on Joshua, uh, in, in his career. How impressed were you with what Usyk did and uh, just his run now at, in his pro career 20 fights? He is now a unified heavyweight champion.
1: I thought Usyk fought a great fight, and I know that you mentioned that it was an upset, and I too uh, was certainly among the, the legion that thought that Joshua would win the fight. But I never once thought it was an easy fight. I never thought it was a blowout fight that he was going to completely dominate. I thought it would definitely be a tough, tricky fight that he would ultimately figure it out and win. But at the end, he didn't ultimately figure out and win. Uh, Alexander Usyk is a tremendous fighter. I I, I wrote uh, after the fight that if you didn't think that he was already a Hall of Famer um, based on his great run as a cruiserweight and his amateur career, that the victory over Anthony Joshua to do it the way he did it and to win those title belts and that kind of, you know, big, big event. Uh, to me, you know, to me at 20-0 and, and, and all the accomplishment, is he 20-0 or 19-0, whatever he is, um, uh, as an undisputed cruiserweight champion, as an Olympic gold medalist, as now a unified heavyweight champion, to me, that's a hall of fame ticket. And it's not like he's done it against easy opponents. He's beaten, you know, the, you know a lot of quality guys at cruiserweight, certainly a victory against Anthony Joshua. Um, and I think you're absolutely right, Dan. You know, it's fair to criticize or to, to pick apart the, the, the way that Joshua fought and what did he do wrong, but, but credit must be given to the way that Usyk fought him because for all of his technique and his skills and his quickness and like you mentioned, the feints, you know, the underrated part of Usyk's game is he's not he can get in there and, 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 and fight on the inside and go, you know, in the trenches a little bit. He did that with Anthony Joshua. He showed a great chin. Now, Anthony never landed the great right hand but he sure as heck landed a lot of pretty darn good right hands and, uh, and Usyk took them well. Matter of fact, when the fight was over, uh, you know, it was Usyk that's who's, you know, whose face was much more damaged than, than Joshua's. Now obviously you don't score a boxing match <laughs> based on that, but just Some from the look do. of it, well, then they're, then they don't know how to score a boxing match. But right. the point is he certainly looked worse for the wear physically over the course of the 12 rounds than AJ did after the 12 rounds. Um, and uh You know, it was a it was a very very good fight. I didn't expect an all-out brawl. You, if you do that, you don't know either of these guys. Mm -hmm. To me, it was like a high-level, you know, good boxer puncher type fight. Real interesting, entertaining. I love that fight, and uh, just uh, felt like Usyk did a great job. And you know, Joshua fought the wrong game plan, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, we'll get into Joshua in a second, but but back to Usyk and and just being able to take a good punch, not only upstairs but to the body. Once Joshua, I think, middle of the fight started realizing, listen, I, I can't land on this guy. I got to go to the body. Finally, he started going digging. And there were a few moments where, you know, Usyk completely stopped dead in his tracks and his offense slowed down a little bit. He weathered the storm. And then he, he, he just laid it on in that 11th and 12th round, the 12th round in particular reminded me of Tiafimo Lopez's 12th round that he had exactly. against Chanco where he landed 50 punches on Loma. Uh, it erased all doubt, uh, it just, you know, not only on the on the scorecards, but just the public perception. I think that was the same thing with the, in the Joshua fight, and, and Eddie Hearn uh, even echoed the sentiment, too, is I thought it was a close fight, but then 10th, 11th, 12th round, especially the 12th, you know, Usyk just brought it to another gear. This is one of the better championship performances of the last five, six years, I think, for, for Usyk.
1: Oh, I think it was a great performance. I mean, that's you know, I, my reasons for picking Joshua in the first place Uh, besides my respect for Joshua's abilities and his talents was also partially because as much as I liked and respected what Usyk had done, having watched his two previous fights when he moved up to the heavyweight division from cruiserweight against Chaz Witherspoon and also against Derek Chisora, you know, I was not that impressed at all. I mean, I give him a, I give him a little bit of a break on the Witherspoon fight, even though he got the stoppage, you know, he was coming off the year layoff. He had had an injury. He was changing weight class. Everybody's entitled to take their, uh, their time to get used to that weight class at least one fight anyway. Uh, You know, and it was, I forget who it was, I think it was Anthony Joshua, actually, in in an interview that we had with him a couple of days before the fight, talked about Evander Holyfield, how he had about six fights at heavyweight before he fought Buster Douglas, you know, quote-unquote warm, not all, they can't call them all warm-up fights, he fought some some good guys, but the point was, he had six fights at heavyweight before he fought for the title as a much younger man, Mm -hmm. and here's Usyk coming off of a couple of, you know, individual one-year layoffs, plus an injury, and switching weight classes only with the two Uh, fights at an older age 34 years old fighting for the title that's got to be respected I you know for as 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 average as he looked in his first two heavyweight fights um, he clearly uh, understood the magnitude of the event that he was in and he sure raised his game against uh, against Joshua and that's what the grades do you know I'm not saying he fights down to his competition but when they're in with the best guys they raise it to another level he did it against uh, Joshua he did it against uh, say, uh, Gassiev when he was fighting for undisputed yeah, and some Prius of those bigger top fight. Yeah. I mean, he did that against some of those top notch guys, even, you know, the other thing about Usyk and, and I've written about this in my newsletter, uh, fight for Unite, And I don't think this can be understated at all about Alexander Usyk. This is a man who had eight of his first nine pro fights, you know, the formidable early non-threatening type matches at home in Ukraine, one fight in Germany, ever since he fought for the world title for the first time, uh, Every single fight mm-hmm. he has had has been on the road. And, and that's like 10 fights. One of those fights was neutral. He fought Tabiso Machuno in California. So it was <laughs> Ukraine versus South Africa in California. Every other fight he's had has been in the other guy's place. Not Whether impressive. it was you know Tony Bello in England, Derek Chesore in England, Witherspoon in the United States, Joshua on his turf, in his hometown mm-hmm. in London, and all those defenses, Marco Huck in Germany uh Gassiev in moscow i mean one after the other every <laughs> one of them greatest in latvia yeah. i mean the guy is a road warrior he won the title uh uh in poland against the polish champion i mean every single fight and you hear guys not only won't they go to the other guy's country they complain if they got to go to like you know his time zone or his, <laughs> yeah his, no you know the bordering state i mean he's the ultimate this road, is, warrior. This a road warrior
0: He's a road, road he, should, he should come out wearing the road warrior outfit Animal and Hawk. He's the ultimate road warrior. He has the respect of fight fans. I'm tell you it's hard to win over everyone. Uh is in the box room, as fragmented as it is, but you take a look at what you just, what you just illustrated and how he's done it. And now going from cruiser to heavyweight beating Joshua in uh you know, one, I wouldn't say one-sided but a it was a win for him and a clear win. It he has the respect of of fight fans and that is a very tough Thing to, to do. But over to Joshua now. Uh, this guy, I mean, wow. Uh, I told anyone within earshot um, that he is no longer the same fighter he was uh, for the 16 fights Pre Klitschko, when he was a seek and destroy fighter, I understand some of those fights were against uh, on the come up where you should be blowing guys out, but there were some names in there, uh, you know, where he was throwing more power shots than jabs. uh, And he was looking like a knockout artist. I mean, 20, and know, 20 knockouts to start his career post Klitschko. He was jabbing, Dan. He was jabbing close to 60% of the time, completely changed his game plan and he just became very cautious. And we saw that once again on Saturday night. The, he decided to box with the boxer, not because I think that was the game plan that they installed, because that's the only thing he he could do at this stage in his career.
1: So I think it was the game plan they installed. I think the plan was right. boxing that's who he otherwise is. otherwise he wouldn't have come at 240. He wouldn't have been the slimmest he'd been since 2014. Yep. I'm not saying he would have bulked up 10, 15 pounds, but he would have been definitely a bit heavier. And he, you know, he, he never was able to really until the middle rounds anyway, and it didn't really last that long. He couldn't really get the distance down. Um, Like you said, he relied more on the jab than on, on the power punches. You know, my feeling was you don't box with the boxer. It's rare that somebody can uh, alter their game. Now, conversely, look at a Tyson Fury. He had a lot of success against Wilder as the boxer in the first fight, even though it wound up a draw in the second fight. He, you know, clearly he's usually the boxer in that kind of fight where Deontay is the puncher. Mm-hmm. Instead, Fury said to everybody, I'm changing my style and I'm going right at him. Now, he was able to do it. Uh, Joshua tried to become the boxer, even though that's not what his game is, and it failed miserably. To me, the proper game plan would have been uh, in some form or fashion. Now, I'm not saying you'd ever, you know, take a step back and, and find your distance, use your jab, and, and maybe move around a little bit. But for the most part, his game in that fight against a guy like Usyk, 20 pounds less, three inches shorter, Clearly, not the kind of power puncher that Joshua is. You, you make sure that your plan is to do everything in your possible power to keep him on the ropes, to back him up, yep. to pressure him, to let your punches go, uh, particularly his right hand. And he was not able to do it. He, you know, maybe he's a little bit fearful of what's coming back because oh, he's he been knocked out now yeah. by Andy Ruiz. But again, you know, Usik is not like he's a terrible puncher, but it's not like you look at him and he's like this devastating knockout artist. Oh, and the man. thing is, he did hurt Joshua several times. Uh, but he, he just couldn't get away from the straight left hand. You know, I think Joshua was made miserable by the southpaw stance. He talked about it mm-hmm. a little bit in the uh, in the post-fight press conference. Um, but him and his team, they better figure out a way to to deal with that southpaw style and to not fight um, what I felt was a, a very – I won't say safety first because that would not be fair – but a very conservative no, gameplay. Very, very conservative, very
0: cautious, but it's just who he is at this stage in his career. It's it's what his fight DNA is now. It's 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 now six fights now. It's now uh, four or five years since the Klitschko fight where it just got more drastic after one fight after the next where it came to he's no longer throwing power shots, he's dancing around, uh, he's throwing jabs, and he's throwing power shots when he needs to, and they're connecting, but they're connecting on the Pulevs, the you know, big tall guy standing right in front of you. Of course, he's going to land that right hand. And uh, not when Usyk's moving around—that's uh, a southpaw. First southpaw that he's, Joshua's he's, fought since 2016 with Charles Martin. I mean, that's a big aspect of the fight that I—I I myself overlooked a little bit was the fact that I was like, "Oh, Joshua's gonna throw that jab. He's gonna control the fight. He's now mastered this now boxer puncher style." I completely overlooked the fact uh, of Usyk being a southpaw and, and Joshua just not being able to land the jab.
1: Well, one thing about it in terms of what you say, he changed the style. He did try to to. to... He didn't go to box against Andy Ruiz in the first fight. He did try to, to brawl him, and he did have him on the floor in the third round. And, yeah. you know, he paid the price. I, I just feel like that's probably still in his mind. Like, you know, that, 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 that damage he took in that fight uh, is never going to leave him in a sense. Because even in the rematch, um, all he I thought they put a great campaign in that. They boxed and, you know, it was not the most pleasing fight, but they did what they had to do to win. Um, knowing that if Ruiz lands a good shot, that it could be some trouble, and certainly Andy Ruiz helped him out because he came in absolutely zero fighting <laughs> condition, both yeah. mentally or physically.
0: But did hurt him a there. few
1: times though, uh, Ruiz. Yeah, not not severely. You're right about that, but it was nothing I didn't think he could handle. But uh, there's no question about it that however you want to dice it up, he is not the same fighter um, in terms of the style which he fights that he was in the in the glitch, you know, in the pre-Klitschko going before, mm-hmm. and. That happens. I mean, we've seen, you know, the, the, most, the most obvious example, and it's not the same as Joshua, but we look at Hector Camacho. Hector Camacho, from the beginning of his career until the Rosario fight, fought in one particular way. After the Rosario fight, when he almost got his clock cleaned and, you know, was badly hurt, you know, he never wanted to engage again. He was always about safety first after that fight for years and years and years. And, you know, sometimes when you, when you go through that kind of life-and-death moment, if you will, um, it it alters you in your future uh, game plans and your
0: mentality when the bell rings. Absolutely, and we're seeing that with Joshua. They're talking about uh, a rematch. You know, Eddie Hearn says he can win. He just has to fight like the bigger man. man. He oh, just he has can, to. He vote. can win. Yeah, but he I just thought, I would love to see it. I mean, uh, I would love to see him. I, I honestly don't care who wins or loses, but I would love to see him. Make the changes and I want to see if it's possible. I want to see it's a it's a gut check moment. More ever, and I agree with what you wrote, more ever than the Ruiz one where it was a knockout. You know, you can you can rally from that. This was a 12-round decisive loss for Joshua. He is now questioning himself. This is his second loss, it'll be the third time he could become heavyweight champion. This really is. I know I don't we wanna you know, get away from this Mayweather, uh, a loss, you know, shouldn't really mean something uh, that much in, in a career, as long as you're fighting the best, but if he loses again. I mean, that's when you, you start to well, really the way, question it's the way you it. Lose,
1: Dan, right. It's the way that you lose. So, yeah. you know, you, we can't have it both ways as fans. We we criticize when these guys won't step up and fight the best guys. And when they do step up and they lose to the best guys, the guy who loses gets criticized. So while I'm not saying it's not, it is fair to criticize Joshua uh, for, Certain aspects of the way he fought the fight, it is not at all, in my opinion, uh, valid to criticize him for losing. Mm-mm. I mean, the great fighters in boxing lose when they fight the other great fighters in boxing, and Joshua and Usyk are two of the top fighters in boxing. And that one guy was going to win, one guy was going to lose. But I think it is fair to say to be a little critical of the way he went about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think even Joshua. Knowing, knowing him a bit and his disposition and hearing the way he spoke to us before the fight, the way he spoke uh, in his press conference after the fight, he gets that. Um, he, in some ways, he's almost too nice
0: of a guy to be, you know, in boxing. Yeah. Like he, I mean, look at him he, when he, he entered the ring. He was all smile. He's very self-aware. He's very self-aware of himself. He's very aware of his surroundings. Yeah, he is almost – look at what he did with Ruiz when he was holding the belt. Yeah. didn't let him hold the belts. And, you know, people didn't but like the way he
1: was, lost. You should never make this mistake though that he's not a highly highly driven competitive athlete. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that works uh, by all accounts as hard as anybody in terms of you know putting in the proper time in the gym. You can tell by the way he looks physically. Um, he also is very aware of uh, of the the passion that the fans have for him and that that they that he wants to make sure the fans enjoy themselves, get a good show uh, you know he cares about what they think. So there are certain boxers who They hear what the fans in the press say, but it's all about, like, win today, look good tomorrow. Do you think Um, the rematch
0: happens next, that the rematch
1: I have no doubt that that rematch happens next. I can't imagine a scenario in which Anthony Joshua does not exercise that rematch clause. It's like Eddie Hearn said at his post-fight news conference. If he doesn't, where's he going to go? He's going to fight a 10 rounder against nobody at the O2 while, while the other guy keeps his belts, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, the way that this business works and the fractured nature that ultimately will happen with the titles, you know, where, when else is he going to get another shot? You can't let it go, (laughs) but, but three at once. And by the way, like you said, it's a winnable fight. Not, I'm not knocking Usyk, but it's not like Joshua was, you know, knocked out or lost 12, nothing. He did a lot of good things in certain rounds in the middle of the fight. He just couldn't put it all together over the consistent he long He showed term. stamina
0: too. He showed something he a knock that I would uh, you know I had for on him and criticizing him as him taking off uh you know rounds or taking off portions of rounds. He showed a good gas tank. Uh, you know, he went to the body, showed a little bit of a, you know, he changed the game plan a little bit, some, uh, adjustments going to the body and and standing a little in closer, willing to bang, but yeah, it is definitely winnable. I want to see it happen, but you're right. Like you can't just let it fade. You can't just let that, that opportunity go away. As we know, here's the question aside and all that.
1: Here's the question about the rematch. Do you think that Anthony Joshua can fight, fight a better fight? I think the answer is absolutely yes. Do you think that Alexander Usyk can fight a better fight? I mean, he fought a great fight, but I don't think he can fight a
0: better fight. The only thing he's got going for him is that he's he's tasted some big shots, some big heavyweight. This will be his now fourth fight at heavyweight. Uh, yeah, it would be tough for him to fight any better, but you can. The only thing he's got going for him is now is just is easing into the heavyweight division. And by the way, don't don't make a mistake
1: about this either. The reason why that rematch will happen most likely is because it's still. In terms of the way the economics of the business works, the the biggest payday that Joshua can make right now.
0: But for Usyk, though, for for I want to yeah, what what gets the precedent here? Is it the WBC potentially ordering uh, their champion to face Usyk, or is it the rematch clause? Well, the rematch clause is the binding legal document,
1: so that's going to take precedent over that. And and uh, I I don't think, I hope not that the WBC is going to get in the way it would be sort of unprecedented for them to order their champion uh who will be the winner of the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight on October 9th to fight a mandatory against it's one thing to order a mandatory but not against a mandatory of another organization now the WBC has made champions of other organizations their mandatories they did it with Lomachenko they did it with Sergey um, uh, uh Kovalev uh went in the light heavyweight division back at the time when Adonis Stevenson was champion they were trying to uh, help facilitate that fight but I don't think they're going to interfere with uh, the fact that Usyk and and Joshua have a rematch clause when neither one of them is raided presently by the WBC. So I'm not worried about the sanctioning bodies causing any issue. This is a non-WBC fight. And uh, whatever the case may be, Anthony Joshua, uh, by all accounts, has a binding legal document contract. And, And if you talk to the Usyk people, when they didn't have to give him a rematch clause because it was a mandatory. They did because it was negotiated. And they think that they also realized if they didn't give him, the rematch clause that maybe Joshua would vacate the belt, he'd end up fighting um, a, 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 less, a much lesser fight for a lot less money and not nearly as big an event. So, if you listen to to, uh, to the Usyk camp, they're like, we embraced giving him a rematch because yeah. we can beat this guy twice in two big fights and two big, make a huge. lot of money. And make a lot. They didn't have a problem.
0: Make a lot of money, and then Fury yeah. or Wilder will be there waiting for for Usyk. There's always that fight to be made uh, down the line. But I think fights still,
1: still wrecked. It still wrecked the undisputed fight, which oh, we God, thought was yeah. going to get. We thought <laughs> I mean, that was going
0: to be in August, boom, obviously. Up in smoke, know. up in smoke. Along with, uh, I wouldn't say it's never say never, but it, it potentially joins a list of some of the bigger fights recently that we were not able to see. Whether it's Spence. Crawford Kovalev uh, versus uh, Stevenson. Uh, there's probably How about so Joshua Wilder? Joshua Wilder is where we started this whole dance in 2017. Exactly. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I but I do think fight fans uh, are a lot more locked into these these binding contracts now. If we learned anything from the Joshua Fury saga, is that rematch clauses, i.e. Uh, Deontay Wilder uh, and the arbitrator giving him that third fight. I think fans are now willing to understand how the you know the business now works, where a the rematch with Usyk Joshua is probably likely next. Fury and Wilder will be fighting next weekend in, in, in Las Vegas. Let me ask you this, Dan. Uh, I think Fury is the the favorite. Him watching that fight last week, Tyson Fury is an emotional being. Let's be honest here. He <laughs> sees that fight. And a hundred million dollars up in smoke, he can tell you that he doesn 't fight for money, but let 's be honest, they fight for money, and he sees Joshua lose does that you think that affects his psyche heading into the wilder fight?
1: I think you wouldn't be a, a normal human being if you didn't have some emotion about it. He's got to be disappointed, obviously, mm-hmm. but I don't think, uh, you know, he's been a professional long enough uh, to understand this, this sport and all of the, the ups and downs and, and, and things that happen. So while it's definitely something that I'm sure he's thought about and was kind of disappointing to him, I don't really think it's going to impact his performance in the fight. You know, his, his job is to make sure that he's prepared to fight Deontay Wilder. He's gone, you know, two fights now with Deontay Wilder. He knows what the man is capable of. He's been on the deck, Uh, against him in you know taking heavy punches uh certainly in the first fight and he's beaten him in the second fight pretty handily but i think he's aware that it only takes one punch particularly when you're the kind of puncher that deontay wilder is he can erase any deficit in a split second Mm -hmm. um and and you have to be aware of that and after seeing the upset happen in the joshua fight i think it probably um hits home that hey it could happen to me also. So, you know, he'll be ready. I think for the fight, Tyson, I hope so.
0: Fury, Alexander Usyk, just how we drew it up right then.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, it would a hard fight to fight? make
0: though. Right. PPC fights. Make fights.
1: I, yeah. I don't I mean there's not going to be a, there's not, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident to say it not, not necessarily forever, but certainly in the short term, I doubt we're seeing an Usyk against a fury fight. If, if, if Tyson Fury wins partly because, you know, you figure Usyk, and Joshua, the the second fight happens probably around like say March, yeah. April-ish. Mm-hmm. So you're talking next spring for that fight. Yep. And certainly the winner of Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury is not going to just sit around and wait for that fight. The winner of that fight is going to probably fight sometime again, mm-hmm. spring, maybe some, you know, say June at the latest. Um, and and there's there has to be a there has to be a will on both sides. And and I don't, I mean. Yes, fans want to see undisputed, but part it's because of the star power and the interesting nature of the style matchups and 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 the the chirping back and forth. Um, for all the greatness of Alexander Usyk, you know he he doesn't have the the name recognition among the general fan uh, at this point. You know he doesn't speak English. Not that that's a, a negative for him in terms of where he comes from, but if you want to get the masses excited in the rest of the world, that's the language you normally would communicate in. So. I don't see like this groundswell. Oh, we got to see Usyk against <laughs> Tyson Fury against uh, uh, Deontay Wilder. I mean, not that I wouldn't want to see that yeah. as a and want to see all the titles unified, yeah. but uh, it's far less of a, of a must see. Let's say compared to either Fury, Joshua, or when it was Wilder Joshua.
0: Yeah, I can see if, let's just say Wilder wins, I can see him potentially fighting like an Andy Ruiz, someone in the PBC where they can yeah. keep the all the money, and that's a fight people have wanted to see for a while. It's an easy win for the PBC. Uh, Usyk uh, if Fury uh, wins, and he has to wait for that one. I can see Fury fighting, you know, Dillian White or an FAA Jagba, if, should he get past Frank Sanchez, something like that. So all intriguing fights, uh, heavyweight division, Buzzing. I still want to see AJ fight Wilder. I still want to see AJ fight uh, uh, Fury. They should still fight. They, can, they have a right. chance to just continue to do that. just won't be as of, big in that sense. With the it titles. won't be as big, but it would still right some of the wrongs of the past where it's you like know, you mentioned you, you have mentioned have before titles.
1: You mentioned before about the WBC and the mandatory situation. What I would hope the WBC would do, uh, since since Usyk and Joshua are going to be tied up into next spring with each other, mm-hmm. my, my hope would be that the WBC would z- see what happens with the winner with the fight next week between Wilder and Fury in order the winner of that fight, finally, to fight Dillian White. If he beats the fight he's got coming up. Not easy. But that's a good, you know, Dillian White, you know, is probably, he's starting to, he's like the best guy in the division who's never gotten a real title shot. It's unfair. It's unfair. I mean, if you might not like him... Right. There's, yeah.
0: there's a lot of fans that, that don't really care for, for White. I don't understand that, but it's unfair. The guy has been the number one mandatory. I know he got knocked out by for Pavekin, but he avenged the loss going on over 600 days. Like, <laughs> come on, let, oh, let's, wow. let's make that make the damn fight. Okay, Dan, let's move on to uh, some news in the boxing world. Uh, this wasn't surprising by any means, but Manny Pacquiao has officially retired from the sport of boxing 26 years. 63% of his life was spent as a professional boxer. He put out the video this week over on, on Facebook. He's gearing up for a presidential run. Uh, your biggest... Takeaways for Pacquiao's career, your favorite moments, your overall I mean, feeling—is this really the end? Because I have my doubts, but uh, at least it's official now. Manny Pacquiao no longer uh, gracing the boxing ring anymore.
1: As far as it being the end, I mean, I've I've hypothesized that if he should run for president, which he now is doing officially, and he were to lose the election, which is in May, it wouldn't be a total shock if he decided after losing the presidential election, if that happens, to say I'm going to come back, which would probably put him in a situation in terms of training and being prepared to fight maybe by this time next year. So it would be roughly a year out of the ring, not unusual. I don't necessarily think that will happen, but it's certainly something I could see taking place where you do like a farewell fight or something along those lines. Um, if it is in fact the last fight, and uh, he certainly was emotional in the video, you could feel it in the, I was there in uh, Vegas when he fought Ugas at the uh, in the later part of August in terms of the way he spoke from the heart about uh, as much as love and passion and desire he had to still box, that you know it takes a toll on your on your on your body. But also he had other things that he wanted to accomplish, and that he felt it was more important to answer the calling to his public service than to just you know do a fight here and there to give the fans and the and the and his Filipino countrymen you know a good night. Let's say, mm-hmm. um, so I do think there's uh, that this is probably the real end. Uh, you never say never. I mean, we've seen a lot of these guys, uh, you know, Evander fighting at age 50 at Oscar wanting to come out of retirement after about 13 years in retirement. Um, but as far as the career that Manny Pacquiao did have, um, 26 years, what can you say? He's one of the greatest fighters to ever put on a pair of gloves, period. End of story. You know, people ask me, who's the best fighter you ever covered or saw in person? And I have three guys, and then it's like a drop-off. And I always say Roy Jones, Floyd Mayweather, and Manny Pacquiao. Yep. And, uh, and then beyond those three guys, there is a bit of a drop-off. I was very fortunate and it was an honor and a privilege to have covered, um, pretty much every one of Manny Pacquiao's big fights. I covered, I, I actually counted up and just to see my list, 24 of his fights at ringside, uh, in addition to writing about many others that I wasn't at, um, just a great fighter and he made it fun. He was, and listen, awesome. and I say this as a media person, there was really, I mean, he was a great guy to deal with. He may not have you know, giving you great quotes and, and and had a, a massive personality and like some of these other guys that we deal with, but Manny Pacquiao, one thing, always cordial, always friendly, always with a smile, never condescending, never, never, um, prima Donna behavior that, you know, he respected you, uh, you know, the way we respected him for doing his job. He respected what, what the journalists did. And, uh, and I appreciated that as a guy that was around him a lot over the last 20 years. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that. I mean, I, I, it's maybe not the same thing, but I've talked to some of the, some of the older uh, guys that covered fights for a long time, you know, when I was in the early part of my career and heard stories from them about what it was like to travel and cover uh, so many of Muhammad Ali fights. And they talk about, about their, their moments with Ali and the things that they did and the things that they saw in the fights that they covered. And so to me, uh, Pacquiao was like my, Ali, like yep. it was for those guys that covered in the past, because yep. you know he was more than just a boxer. He, he is transcended a global the icon. sport.
0: He transcended the sport. Yeah, I mean, after uh, you know the void after Mike Tyson there had to be filled and it was Oscar De La Hoya. It was Roy Jones. It was Floyd Mayweather and it was Manny Pacquiao and they carried it for two decades. And I mean, it's officially, I mean, if we thinking he's going to retire, it's officially closed. Now the past generation of boxing uh, from the nineties and two thousands and Pacquiao just kept going on and on. But that <laughs> generation of the Barreras, the Morales the Codos, the Hattons, the De La Hoya's the Mayweather's. And then he kept, well, I wasn't going to list this generation, but it's closed now. It, the door he is now fought, shut, and he fought them all.
1: He fought multiple generations beyond where he was. He didn't just fight one generation yep. uh, after some of those guys. It was almost like into his now into his second generation.
0: Wild, just so, like, yeah, fighting Broner, fighting Ugas, fighting Thurman. Those guys should, if if they're you know, be continued to fight for the next at least five to to seven years. But you're right. He transcended the sport. Uh, he did so much for it in, in terms of bringing it back to the mainstream, his fights with, you know, of course, with Mayweather, one of the biggest spectacles that I've ever witnessed as a sports fan, not just a, a boxing fan. But if you can pinpoint one fight, uh, I'll give you mine and then you can uh, tell me yours. To me, his most impressive fight to to me was the Margarito win. Uh, When Margarito stepped in there, close to 160 pounds, uh, uh, Pacquiao was on the pretty much the tail end of his physical prime, and he'll tell you it's the toughest, one of the toughest fights he's ever been in. And Pacquiao just put on an offensive just juggernaut. I mean, close to 400 punches landed, didn't stop throwing, didn't stop landing, and then you can make a case that that was pretty much the. The beginning of the end in terms of Pacquiao being a dominant force, then he went on to change his style a little bit. But to me, my favorite win of Pacquiao uh, would be Margarito and then Cotto second. Do you memorize all the CompuBox stats? (laughs) I know, like, the general (laughs) numbers. Like, it's kind of sick. Like, I know that he landed between (laughs) 360. I know that he landed between 360 and 400 against Margarito because that's, like, rarefied air. Like, when you're getting into 300 to 400 in terms of punches landed, that's, like, that doesn't get touched often. All right. So you'd mentioned your favorite was the Margarito fight possibly.
1: Mm-hmm. And to me, I agree with you. And when people, I always think about a boxer's career, almost like a gra- like a, like a line line graph. Yep. And to me, you follow the Pacquiao ascension from uh, let's say when he got to America and won the title at 122 and you, you know, he's on the, on the upswing, the Barrera fight's a big upswing. Uh, and then you go the De La Jolla fights, another huge upswing to me where he really reached like the apex of his career and again, it wasn't like it was downhill precipitously in the next fight, but he it, it was over the top of the mountain, let's say, was the, at the apex was the Margarito fight. And so I agree with you that it was, again, he was still an elite fighter, obviously, um, but that's where it, it started to drop off at least a little bit and slowly but surely, you know, even though he had some very big wins beyond um, that, that victory over Margarito. So that was a very impressive victory, like you said. He, you know, that contracted that fight at 150 pounds is my recollection mm-hmm. for the 154 pound title. And so you know that was the weight that Antonio Margarito made, but but Pacquiao came into the fight like 144. He wasn't even a welterweight, and he still beat the living daylights out yeah, of. But he Margarito. took a lot of
0: punishment too.
1: He did, but I mean, I remember very specifically, you know, in about the in the twelfth round, him looking at the referee like, you know, and as he's teeing off, he's like, "Are yeah. you going to stop this fight?" <laughs> and you know, Margarito, he broke his face. I mean, it was a destructive fight. But as much as that was a big impressive victory, just from an, from my own personal enjoyment or liking the fight you know the two that always have stood out to me that I was at were uh the Cotto fight for Mm -hmm. sure and and the first Marquez fight which turned out to be the draw which is a fantastic fight and uh kind of underrated actually people think about the fourth fight where Manny got knocked out which was a a, a fight of the year and obviously he was winning the fight and about to stop Marquez before he got stopped the second and third fights were also terrific you know what's weird if you look at the great uh rivalries in boxing you know, whether it's three fights in their case between Marquez and Pacquiao, four fights, there's usually like one fight that's kind of like the stinker in there. Right. Not, you know, or not as good, let's say, as the other one. So Barrera Morales, two, good fight, not on the level of one and three. Gaddy two, you know, good fight, not on the level of one and three. Even Ali Frazier, number two, nobody ever remembers or thinks about. Marquez Pacquiao, all four fights were terrific fights, you know. And this is not only a guy who fought Marquez four times, fought Eric Morales three times, fought Marco Antonio Barrera twice. I mean, you add up the guys, he had trilogies and multiple Tim series. Tim Bradley but, three times, but two yeah, of I them mean, were not was, needed. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, uh, although he left absolutely no doubt the way he beat him up in the third fight and dropped yeah. him a bunch of times. Yeah. But, but the point is the four fights with Marquez, that's, uh, you know, obviously four-fight series are not as common as three-fight series. But among four-fight series of fights – That, in my mind, is the best one in the history of boxing. Yeah, it's awesome. It certainly isn't Israel Vasquez against Rafael Marquez because the
0: the fourth fight, you shouldn't even count. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Barrera has wished him well on Twitter. Uh, Morales probably will. I want to see what Marquez has to say. I know they they had their their issues and there was still a little bit of bad blood. Uh, There was that birthday cake that Marquez had a couple of years ago that had Pacquiao flattened on his face. I want (laughs) to see Marquez come out and, and wish the senator well. Because uh, I like if and Barrera too. can be friends and anyone can be friends. What about Floyd wishing him well? Uh, that's never going to come. Come on. Floyd's going to talk about a strip club a uh, hundred times on Instagram <laughs> before he wishes Pacquiao. It'll be nice. It would be like Floyd is maybe maturing, but I'm not going to hold my breath for that. Let's finally, before we say goodbye, get into this nonsense, Dan, the Ugh. covering the sport for a really long time. Have you ever seen anything like what we're seeing with Triller, T.F. Lopez, George Cambosos?
1: I mean, being honest, it's just laughable. It's so, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's absurd. It's so not professional. It's just, it's, I mean, I marvel. I'm like, what can they do next to you know, mess this fight up or do something unseemly to, uh, to try to get this done? Um, now, I understand it's not entirely their fault because at the end of the day, it's not their fault that, that T-Femo contracted COVID-19 and forced the fight in June to be postponed. But other than that, there's been a lot of things that they have done to just do everything possible to just make this fight look like a joke.
0: When we say they, and, I uh, mean Triller, not Tefemo, right?
1: No, not Tefemo. I mean, tr- no, Tifemo got sick. I mean, you know that 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 happened. I mean, a lot, you know, millions of people in the United States have gotten sick, so you know that that happens. Um, but I'm just making the point that when the fight was postponed in the first place, that was not a Triller thing. That was because Tifemo got ill. Right. Okay. Fair enough. But everything else around this fight that caused it to be. Uh, moved around and, and messed up is really largely because of Triller. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they, they just don't do good business.
0: No, they, and, it, and- it's, it's, a, it's, it's been a mess. It's honestly one thing after the next. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to find... I see a lot of people... Gosh, you know, saying this is such a bad look for Tiafimo. He 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 how is he ever going to recover from this and why did why fault. did he do- I know, but look, li- that's what I mean. It's like Not Cambos is his fault either. It's it's listen, Tiafimo was handed a lottery ticket when that uh winning bid happened. Like I got to be got to figure out when it was. it was. In February. It was a couple months removed from the Tyson uh Roy Jones event which was a huge success. Triller yes. was... I mean, everyone thought this is awesome, uh, so you have to keep that in mind. They they pulled it off a, a Tyson versus Jones event and made a ton of money. They throw $6 million at T.F.U. Lopez at age 22 or 23, coming off of the Loma win. Of course he's going to take it. Of course he's well, going mean, to take you, that money. Do do? I mean, and, then, and then you got to figure yeah. out, as it went along, it just kept getting away from him, kept getting away from him. Yes, he said he bet on himself, but if you take a look at it, he also got a reworked uh, deal with Top Rank. And I understand, yes, he does look... There is some part of him that comes out not looking great in this whole saga. But if you pull 10 of the young fighters today and they were hand and they were given that trailer bid, of course they're gonna take it.
1: Well, what do you if you don't take it, you get stripped because the purse bid is the way that fights get made when right. it's a mandatory situation and the promoters can't make the fight together, or you and your promoter, mm-hmm. then you know T. Fimo and Cambosas didn't um, go to a purse bid because Cambosis and and Lopez teams couldn't make a deal. It went to a person because Fimo was in, uh, you know, a, a back and forth with Top Rank, and they couldn't make their deal. So no fighter would turn that down. Why should they? He was going to be paid uh, a tremendous amount relative to what he had made before. A fight that, you know, the bid that Triller offered was so large it was more than if you took the next two bids between matchroom and top rank and added them together, it beat that even by, you know, nearly a million dollars, $800,000 or something like that. And, and, and there was reason to believe that they were going to put the fight on in a reasonable manner and follow the rules and do mm-hmm. things the right way, because they did put the 20% up with the IBF 10% at the purse bid 10% on the deadline, which was, you know, a couple of weeks later. Uh, so, and that $1.2 million in change is still sitting with the IBF. If the IBF defaults, the purse bid the way that Cambosa's team has requested. And I wrote about that in my newsletter and I obtained the contracts uh, that they were offered as amendments to make the change of date uh, that I published uh, the other day. Um, People can certainly see that if they want to pay for a subscription. Uh, But the point is if they default that $1.2 million that is with the IBF will be dispersed between the two fighters on that same 65, 35 deal. And if it falls to Eddie Hearn and he accepts it, they'll fight for the money on that bid. So they're, take on the Hearn bid plus the money that was with the ibf it's still less than what the triller bid was but they're close to whole.
0: Then, do you think it it they um it's hard to figure out how it's going to end but let's just say they do default triller probably deep down inside gets their wish and the fight does they don't have to they're off the hook and now it goes to matchroom is there an interest for matchroom to stage this fight another talk to maybe a double header with devin haney and uh his next defense could you see that happening i could i mean i i uh I, I mean, I think
1: that Eddie Hearn um, would have, you know, he bid on the fight in the first place. So there was interest, obviously. I'm not sure why that would have changed. It's still, it's it, because of all the crazy that's occurred over the last, uh, you know, couple of months with this fight. It's gotten a little bit more uh, notoriety, let's say. And, uh, you know, look, Eddie's a good promoter. And if, if, he, if he decides that to put his resources, you know, he's not obligated. To do the fight as the underbidder but it's his option to do so mm-hmm. that if he does decide with his uh, broadcast partner Dazone to do the fight i think uh they'll put on a first class promotion like matchroom does with their events uh the guys will get paid what they're owed there won't be funny business i mean you can say what you want about eddie hearn fine you know he gets criticized for this and that but one thing that he doesn't get criticized for is he puts on good events he, he makes it interesting for the fans and you know, to my knowledge, there's I can't think of any fighter that's ever sued him and say you cheated me or you didn't pay me what you owed me <laughs> that those guys will get what they're what they're what they're supposed to get. And it'll be, yeah. you know, Eddie does a lot of straightforward business uh, yeah. the way that you should do. So I mean, I don't see any reason what they're been been
0: dealing with compared to with both fighters, both camps I'm dealing with for the last year. There'll be, you know, probably some relief involved if it goes to match room or even yeah. more hilarity would ensue if it match room doesn't want it and it goes to top rank. I'm right now, if it, right go, if, it goes, if it goes
1: to top rank, you yeah. know, this is what, what Bob Aramette told me in the last couple of days. Like, they have purposely held back mm-hmm. not scheduling one of those November dates that they have because they've kept that in their back pocket just in case they need to do this fight. So, top rank is ready, willing, and able to put on uh, Lopez Cambosis in November on one of those ESPN dates under the terms of their purse bid um, in case – uh, you know the matchroom. You know, if if Triller is defaulted by the IBF and should Matchroom Boxing uh, decide to uh, pass on the option to do the fight under their purse bid,
0: November is jam packed. I would love to see that fight fall. I'd like to see it happen. let just in general. But then after that, I'd like to see you know, if it happens in November. You know, just pencil it in with the other great fights between Porter. Uh, you know, you got uh, uh, Benavidez is coming back. Canelo, Plant. Uh, there was another fight added to there. Uh, Jaime. Oh, Gabe Rosado, I'm excited for Stephen Fulton
1: against oh, Brandon yeah. Figueroa that's to the big unify one, yeah. the titles. Yeah, that was one no of members. the other ones that was postponed because of yep. Figueroa's COVID. So that's another one that's in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's you know for there's big fights. That, that are mainstream fights like a Canelo yep. fight or a Wilder, but there's also ones that are great for us diehards like a Fulton <laughs> against a Figueroa where yeah. you want to see the best guys fight. That's a, that's a really good matchup.
0: Yeah. I call those the supplemental fights to go along with yeah. the Fury Wilders and the Canelo plants. But one thing's for certain is the boxing schedule is heating up and uh, it's going to be a fervent uh, schedule for here, here on out. So this weekend, call your mother, go outside. <laughs> Get all your orders in, in a fair. Get them all in the line because the boxing, after this, I mean, it's just one fight after the next. Dan Rayfield, Fight Freaks Unite. I can't uh, stress it enough. Great newsletter. Go ahead and subscribe. Support journalism, uh, support boxing, all that good stuff. Dan, uh, I always enjoy you, man. Go Yanks.
1: Go Yanks. And uh, as always, my man, thank you for having me on.
0: Special thanks to our guest this week, Mr. Dan If you'll fight freaks unite, go out and sign up and subscribe to that newsletter. I subscribe to it. It's good stuff uh, at a reasonable price. Uh, Special thanks to Dan for for joining us here. Good conversation. Uh, Heavyweight division is the topic of uh, the sport right now, outside of the Pacquiao retirement. I know having saw last week with Usyk uh, dominating in there and and winning uh, that fight. I do think Joshua has, uh, you know, he could win a, a, rematch but does he have that in him does he have that in his fight DNA anymore being able to walk down the smaller guy you know stand in trade when he has to put him up against the ropes thank you so much for joining us this week on another edition of inside boxing Live.